Kelly Brady. This is Club Hell. Thanks for coming, kids. Hey, Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row. A cinema podcast of commentary, questions, answers, dreams, fears, joy rides, hell rides, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Welcome to another episode of Notes from the Back Row. Uh, you can find Back Row online at back-row.com. You can email Back Row at backrowcineblog at gmail.com. You can find us on all of the social medias with the handle Back Row Cineblog. And if this is your first time listening, just to set the table, back Notes from the Back Row is a feed that you can put into your podcast app and you can think of it like a magazine subscription where every other week you'll get a new episode. Sometimes it'll feature everyone doing a roundtable discussion of an actor or something themed or movie reviews. Sometimes it'll be, you know, one or two people doing their own themed episode. Um, So it's always something fresh and exciting and fun. And it uh, follows the kind of stuff you'll read on backdashrow.com. This episode features myself dan and i'm here with veronica hello and we are basing this episode on veronica's article on back-row.com art versus trash why elevated horror doesn't work as well as junk horror um (laughs) do you want to give like a sorry i just want (laughs) to give the original title that jenna i understand why jenna changed it because uh she was like well you need to have the words elevated horror in there because that'll get you know that'll bring bring the clicks (laughs) um but i i was calling it kingdom of trash yeah and i really i i like that title because i have really come to appreciate trash horror something yeah. i didn't think i you know something i had always been like i like i like trashy horror movies sure yeah but they're not they're never going to be my favorite i want i can't wait for these high budget prestige filled horror movies <laughs> that are sure to be coming <laughs> yeah um do you want to give kind of like an overview of what, what like brought you to write that article Sure. I had just seen The Curse of La Llorona, uh, The Curse of the Weeping Woman, and it's one of the the newer Blumhouse offerings, and it wasn't perfect. I kind of started to think on my walk home, I was kind of starting to think, like, why, why was this something that was much more, um, something I was much, I was easier for me to get wrapped up in than something like Hereditary or Suspiria, Mm -hmm. uh, The Witch, which I liked enough, but wasn't particularly frightened by. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, I just kind of was starting to think about how a lot of these other horror movies had really amazing visuals, really like beautiful shots and some cool, innovative effects. Uh, but it wasn't enough. It was like it it didn't it just didn't hit me in my base instincts, which is kind of what I think you need activated for horror to work. You know, you you're if you're scaring yourself, you're kind of hitting a very uh, instinctual part of your brain. You know, you're activating all these these mechanisms that evolution built in to keep us safe. So if it's not hitting those, it just isn't really working. Um, mm-hmm. And I use Hereditary and Suspiria as my two sort of main go-tos because they were... Uh, Suspiria I had been waiting for for a very long time. Yeah. very, very disappointed by. Um, and Hereditary, I went into that movie like nervous as hell. 
my friend who came <laughs> with me is not a horror movie person, and she kept making fun of me when we were walking in, because I was like, I don't know, I don't think I'm going to be able to handle this. And yeah. she's like, you're being an idiot. And I was like, no, you, like, you've seen the, the trailers, they keep talking about it. it's like the most terrifying movie they've ever seen, and, da, 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 and it freaked her out, and I kind of left like, ugh, that was stupid. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I just kind of realized how many... You know, I could watch a Chucky movie right now, and it would scare the shit out of me. I'd be <laughs> I'd be scared for weeks, and you know these things that that have more thought behind them that aren't just like, okay, you know what, this doll it murders people. These <laughs> movies that are like, oh yeah, it's metaphor for this, and it's you know about family, and oh, yeah. a, it just loses me. It loses me somewhere along the way, and I would find specific reasons for each one you know for hereditary i was like they're so miserable there's i yeah. just couldn't connect with it because they were so miserable and and you know each time i was finding these these reasons i just began to be like no i just i think it's they're maybe not as good <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're not you know maybe horror can't be super pretty yeah, and I think Hereditary is a really good example of this, and I know a lot of people love Hereditary, but I think yeah. that's that's an example of a movie that I as well, um, like you, I was uh, disappointed with Hereditary, and I think it it kind of hits the nail on the head about the kind of um, something I struggle with with these like quote unquote elevated horror and like junk horror and stuff is Hereditary kind of starts really strong from from my perspective but then mm -hmm. be kind of becomes the exact kind of movie that people that say elevated horror um are saying that it's elevated above like hereditary pretty much becomes a conjuring or an annabelle like it becomes a movie where they bust out the ouija board it becomes right. su super like but but it almost feels like I, like i want you to just just be that movie if that's what you want to do like do right. that movie don't make me feel like you're gonna have a big you know message about family and grief and stuff because i feel like that movie drops all that and then just becomes the kind of silly goofy scary movie with the floaty naked lady and it's scary because she's naked or whatever and it's like right. if that's what you wanted to do don't like trojan horse it in this idea that you're above it that's um, so I I feel like I talk a lot about uh, the BBC film reviewer Mark Kermode, and it's because I'm in love with him, but also <laughs> because he says things that I'm like, this is perfect. This is exactly how I felt about yeah. it. And I'm so glad he put it into words. But he said something that was like almost exactly that, where he was like, it starts so well, and by the end it turns into, he says specifically, an insidious movie, Yeah, you know, which is one of the Blumhouse <clears throat> and again totally. it's like right and those movies are fine you know it's like i saw the first insidious movie and was like oh that was freaky all right uh and yeah so it's like that's exactly the point is that like these people who are into elevated horror and do refer to these things as you know being above well maybe you can't actually be above a certain aspects of horror maybe mm -hmm. for it to be you know, it's like, oh, it's elevated. Well, maybe that's not possible because then you're like, you're trying to pull it from the base, you know, the base chakra is up into the heart or something. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, it's not working. You kind of still have to hit us on an animal level. And it, they, they, that's kind of what hereditary reverts to. It kind of starts, but at that point it had lost me already. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so that one, I, I do... I liked the Babadook. I can also yeah. understand um, why, and the Babadook came out before the term mm -hmm. elevated was coined. Uh, and there's another one similar to it that came out of Iran called mm. Under the Shadow. And I need to see it, that. Know. It's good. It is. It's they. Uh, the similarities are surface level you know it's it's a mother and her son and it's grief you know it's a mm -hmm. metaphor for grief it's this monster um but really the the courses they take are very different and it's much less the mother and the son in under the shadow are closer mm. in the babadook they're very estranged so yeah. under the shadow is a little bit of like a warmer horror movie in the babadook you're 
you know, you're almost ready to kill the kid alongside her. <laughs> that isn't the case. In yeah. the, you're kind of like, dude, I, yeah, I wouldn't have children either. <laughs> uh, but with, yeah. with the, you know, and I can understand, I know some people who didn't really love the Babadook. Um, and I, there was like a chunk of it right towards the end that I thought was kind of silly, but I, I do, I did like it as something that functioned like almost purely on metaphor. Mm-hmm. You know, the ending is, is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. If you're not buying into the symbolism of a story, the, you get to the end and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, so you kind of have to be like, oh, this is about grief. This is yeah. about, you know, this is about someone trying to put something behind them and they're yeah. unable to. They, the end of the movie, like they've literally chained a monster in the basement. You know? Right. And they, <laughs> they have to like feed it just enough. You know, yeah. it's always kind of there, but they have to, they have to <laughs> give it enough to keep it satiated. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, um, yeah. And, but even I would say that the the what works about the Babadook, though, is that it is still a monster movie and mm-hmm. it still has something creeping in the dark and it still has, you know, someone it does have things to it that are very original and unique, like her showing her uh, sleeplessness. My roommate and I saw it together and he has a lot of insomnia issues and he was like, that was the best yeah. depiction of someone like struggling with sleep that I've ever seen because she like closed her eyes and they would just sort of flutter and they would get light outside you yeah. know and it's like all of a sudden it's morning and you don't she didn't look rested it didn't look like <laughs> someone who so it had had a lot of unique elements yeah. but then at the end it was still a monster movie and I was like oh okay mm-hmm. so that's that's when elevated horror works when yeah. it still like leans into it's it's roots. Mm-hmm. I think, and not just to like turn this into a Babadook love fest, but I I agree, <laughs> and I think one of the things that makes that such a great example of what we're talking about of like a horror movie that can exist on both those levels is also like the stuff with the book and the sort of like the scares in the movie. Like a lot of that stuff functions the way that you would expect any kind of horror movie to function. Like the design yeah. of the book and stuff. It just feels very, you know, like, it's even hard to explain, but it just feels like something that you would see in a horror movie. It feels like it's not shying away from, like, the creepy book and some of the scares where she's in bed and, and is hearing the, the the kind of monster in the room and, like, you see the glimpses of it and stuff. Like, I remember when The Babadook came out on uh, VOD or when you were able to rent it. And I watched it, like, and I made sure, like, I'm turning all the lights off, I'm turning the volume up, and that scene was fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, it works on that level of, I can look at this as just a scary movie, and I can look at it as, this is a really amazing, you know, sort of uh, thesis on grief and on this monster and what, what I have to do at the end of the movie. I need to chain it up. Like, it, it works on both levels, and that's what I feel like in something like... Um, uh, uh, hereditary doesn't hereditary. because yeah, it, like by the end of the movie, the, the 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 lines and the dots don't connect. It's like okay, why were they doing this? I guess they wanted money or something, and now there's a cult. But you don't understand this. Like I hate being the nitpick so, guy, but like it just right it, that doesn't ladder up to like what it's trying to say. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh the the director of hereditary had said something about i read this interview where he was like i wanted it to be a story about a sacrifice told from the lamb's perspective mm-hmm. and on the same note as like not wanting to be the nitpick guy um <laughs> you know he was like cuz then there's you know there's nothing there's nothing in the movie that isn't from the perspective of someone in the family and that's not true there's a couple mm-hmm. of scenes there's not a ton but there are a couple of scenes where we see like that one woman's apartment all set up in an altar yeah. you know there's like and uh so it's not even consistent on that level um i mean i feel like i've spent a lot of, there's been a lot of uh time on back row dedicated to me being like hereditary <laughs> uh, mainly just because i think it I, I, like psyched myself up so much and jen and i had a whole conversation about like hype you know yeah. there's it's so hard to get away from hype and sometimes hype is like it's so damaging because i think if i had just gone into that movie being told like it's a horror movie i don't know if i would have had such an adverse reaction to it but i really was like 
you know, I had, had to psych myself up so hard. I was so worried. And mm-hmm. then I left and was like, fuck, I have a running list of things that have scared me more than hereditary just because I'm catty, I guess. <laughs> I was going to I was going to say cunty. And then I was like, ah, let's, <laughs> let's not call ourselves that. It's eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, but I and one of them, there's this short movie, Your Date Is Here, that I saw at like a short film fest uh, at the Roxy in San Francisco. And it's, you know, five minutes, not even. And it freaked me out. It had a visual that freaked me out more than anything in Hereditary. And the other one, or, you know, one of the others on the list is that movie Grey Gardens. Oh, from, yeah. You know, because I was like, honestly, that is more not like it terrified me but that was freakier to me people being unhappy and then dying doesn't really affect me people being trapped in this like codependent passive aggressive relationship for 20 years yeah. is really upsetting <laughs> you know so yeah maybe I it also that that could be a cool uh topic for a future article or podcast where like like horror movies that are are not horror movies at all but like right that idea of like it's a movie that's just about something very realistic, but it becomes so, like, deep in your gut scary. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like there's all those uh, alternative trailers. There's all those trailers uh, for movies that are cut differently. Yeah. And then it's like they have The Shining as, as like, like, a, a father and son. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> they just play, like, Salisbury Hill in the Shining. background. And you're like, boom, <laughs> you're in love. Yeah, it's... I... I I think we've also kind of covered this in our, you know, our private Facebook conversations, but there's also this idea of, like, now is this... I don't disagree that it's a golden age for horror. I think Mm -hmm. it's great. I think there's horror movies coming from everywhere in the world. I love that they are able to work on metaphors. I don't, you know, that's something that horror wasn't able to do even when it was... Even if it was a metaphor, it always had to wrap it up in Mm -hmm. a very A, B, C, D storyline. Yeah. Um, So in your article, you mention the movies of the 70s, like Don't Look Now, The Sentinel, The Changeling. How do you... And that was interesting to me because one of the things that we've talked about in our group chat on Facebook is like, Elevated horror isn't new. There's lots of examples of movies in the 80s and the 90s and the 70s and whatever of movies that were horror movies that were treated really seriously as films but were also very scary. Like, what what do you think is that, like, differentiation between something like Don't Look Now, which is heartbreaking, you say in your article, which is so true, but it's also really scary. Like, what's the difference between that and what, like, Hereditary is trying to do? Like, why is it being all of a sudden treated differently even though this kind of thing is you know exists forever what's kind of funny is that i i feel like there shouldn't it it, there almost shouldn't be a difference um because you know uh, part of me wants to be like well the movies nowadays people might still have in their minds this image of horror from the 80s it was like slasher and exploitative not that there wasn't exploitative movies in the 70s but like that's you know that's kind of when horror mm-hmm. fell out of favor was like going into the 90s scream is very famous for like yeah. you know rejuvenating horror but the scream movies scary, that came out though. of this <laughs> scream is so scary it really i saw it when i was like 10 or 11 me and too. it terrified me and then when i saw it and i would watch it again throughout my life and i saw it at the castro at one point like on the big screen for the first time and was thinking to myself, like, at that point I was 28, too, or 29, mm-hmm. you know, this wasn't, I wasn't a kid anymore. And I was like, yo, if I had never seen this movie before, if this was my first time watching it, this yeah. would freak me out. I would be like, oh, God. Because it's also just like, it's just a dude with a mask. Yeah. And he's a realistic enough killer where mm-hmm. it's like, he gets hurt. He's not Jason or Michael, who was always walking slowly and their victims are running away like this is it just seems like a crazy guy who put a mask on and has a knife and um but with you know with movies that came out in the 70s they still came out after a particularly schlocky period Mm -hmm. you know the the movies from the 50s and the 60s you had all the william castle and uh the hammer movies and all the like 
if you die during this, you don't, we will pay for your funeral, whatever it is. You get a free coffin. So it seems, it's like funny to me that um, there is this idea of elevated horror nowadays because it seems like they're, the parallels between the two, the two periods seem pretty uh, apparent where I don't, I don't, I mean, if someone who lived through the 70s, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like any of the horror movies, The Exorcist, The Sentinel, Don't Look Now, um, it doesn't seem like anyone pointed to those and went like, oh, this is a golden age of horror. This is a, like, these are elevated or high art horror movies. Um, but that I could be wrong. I, yeah. I've just never come across anything that says I, that. <laughs> I feel like that started to happen in the 80s when you see people like Siskel and Ebert ragging on the like dead teenager movie but then right. something like Nightmare on Elm Street or you know a movie that is is kind of working on both levels of being a scare movie and also like a a, a good movie then right. you would see people like Roger Ebert be like yes this is a dead teenager movie but it is also doing this or that and I feel like there was a bit of that in the 80s when when yeah like certain horror movies started to look like schlock but then also have something else going on i think he also gave a really good review to um halloween uh, halloween for sure well the one the stuart gore is it stuart gordon or yun's oh reanimator reanimator but what was the other one from beyond i think he gave a good review to from beyond and he was like like a three-star review but still saying like this is like really interesting material but it is also just a schlocky like effects movie Right. I mean, I think, and something that, like, because that was a Lovecraft story mm-hmm. that was, like, kind of crafted into a movie. Um, so maybe if it had, like, kind of literary. Yeah. <laughs> like a literary <laughs> background. Um, I actually had found there's a bunch of old Siskel and Ebert on, like, full episodes yeah. on YouTube. Oh. And I found one where it called Women in Danger, and they were yeah. really being, like, sort of angry about movies like I Spit on Your Grave, like, yeah. these very, very exploitative. And they showed a clip of I Spit on Your Grave, and then we're going, like, well, people will say we're hypocrites because, you know, we liked Halloween. We both really loved Halloween, but... Like, you know, and then they show a clip of Halloween, and they're like, can you see the difference, though? Doesn't yeah. Halloween look like it was made by someone who loves film? Like, look at the framing. <laughs> look at, you know, look at the yeah. light coming through. It actually looks like someone, you know, spent time making a movie. Um, with, I think with Nightmare on Elm Street, that's kind of a funny, it's a good one to bring up, because I, one of, one of my points that I say in the article is that uh, I think that, horror almost can't have too much money behind it i think it you know it just becomes masturbation on some level and if you i think horror needs to be like scraped together a little bit and that's one of these movies that was famous for how jerry-rigged it was you know Mm -hmm. the cast does interviews 20 years later going like yeah we were it was held together with elmer's glue and duct tape (laughs) and it worked and you know we made this so there almost is something to like not to because horror is supposed to uh connect with base instincts it's almost like you can't it it can't be too expensive it can't have too much behind it because yeah. then it doesn't it just it like is cleaned up too much <laughs> oh, maybe <laughs> yeah, you can't I, have it that way yeah and i think the stuff with like the siskel and ebert um just a one other thing on that is just i i find it very interesting um that they could be coming at this topic with like i don't know an important angle to it like the idea of like let's talk about women in horror movies and the exploitation of women in horror movies is like yeah they should be talking about that but then they're coming at it from a way where they're like totally also like disregard important things about the the genre it's just so weird to me that there was this period of just like yeah <laughs> yeah i i it's a. Sorry, I had opened my window to smoke. And I was closing it a little, and it's loud. Um, yeah, I think that uh, one of the good things, for sure, to come out of this kind of elevated horror is that uh, 
it's kind of happening at a time when representation in movies in general is mm-hmm. kind of being brought up. So there is, you know, there kind of is a, a move away from a lot of these older tropes, which are dumb and outdated, you know, the black guy dying first, the yeah. virgin surviving, women just kind of being naked and killed. And um, so on that level, it's good. Uh, although, I don't know, sometimes I was, like, watching Suspiria and going, like, this still feels, this still feels like someone torturing attractive women and, mm-hmm. like, telling me it's supposed to be, you know, and there's some, there, I kind of defend almost any movie as far as existing, you know, I'm definitely someone who's kind of like, you don't have to go see it, but it's yeah. allowed to exist, and there are definitely movies out there that, you know, martyrs being one of them where it has a lot of these uh there's a lot of people who say it's misogynistic and it just is there to torture and punish women and you know it's like i can kind of see that side of it i also don't fully subscribe to that but at least it's a movie that you get to the end of it and you go like i'm not really sure what i'm even supposed to think about this movie the director is not even sure what i'm supposed to think about this movie um, and that, that to me is, I think, you know, this is a little off topic, but it's like some of the elevated horror movies, I think, are just come at you so hard with what the director mm-hmm. wants you to feel and think and see and um, that it, it just, it, if there's not enough room to kind of be like, I'm not sure, yeah, <laughs> not even like, I'm not sure, but just like... I, I always liked horror as a, a genre that stayed with you. Yeah. You know, and because it frightened you, because it, so you have to think about it. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of be like replaying stuff in your head. And I just really haven't had that reaction to a lot of the new, except for, uh, <laughs> except for the Babadook. Yeah. We, our apartment looks like. You know, we have an old Victorian apartment, and it has those long, dark hallways, and it has, like, <laughs> the crown molding and everything. And a lot of the scenes in the Babadook freaked me out, because yeah. it was very easy to, like, look down my hallway and see a <laughs> top-hatted monster yeah. coming at me. <laughs> um, have you seen the Netflix movie that came out recently, The Perfection? I have not. Okay. I, not to, like, digress too much into, like, another topic, but... I've been thinking a lot about that movie because it's been very, very divisive in terms of whether or not it is offensive in the sense that it is, it it looks and kind of walks, it like it walks like a elevated horror movie, but it talks like a fucking piece of trash. Like it is really <laughs> exploitation, exploitative, like through and through in terms of the like material that it's using. And mm-hmm. some people have looked at that and been like, this movie is like, you know, using really real horrific stuff for thrills. And I liked the movie, but I, I, it kind of reminds me of what you're talking about, where I was like, it's kind of trying to make a point about some really, really intense stuff. But at the same time, I don't know what it's trying to say you know, sure. like like you're talking about with martyrs, where where it's like, well, but what is the point, and how am I supposed to feel about that? So I would be interested in, in what you think of of that. I yeah, I'll check it out. I, yeah, because that's, you know, I um, I defend martyrs. I defend its director because I think he he makes movies that don't have clear morals they exist in gray areas mm-hmm. and, I, and I exist in gray areas so yeah. I kind of appreciate that um, but there's it is always so funny to me to I think this is just human nature um, that people will make very definitive statements about something that someone is trying to say in a piece of work mm-hmm. and especially something like Martyrs possibly like The Perfection I'll, I'll check it out uh, <laughs> You know, Pasquale Langer's Lang- Languiers. I don't, I'm not great with French. His other movie, <laughs> The Tall Man. Yeah. You know, it's, you kind that of get to very the, divisive. It very, very, because it, I can understand the same way people say that Martyrs is like pro torture and pro doing whatever you have to do to get what you want. Uh, 
which I disagree with, but um, people said that the tall man was pro-kidnapping. Yeah. And I understand <laughs> what they're saying, but it doesn't, it, it isn't clear. It's not yeah. like, you know, he doesn't make things quite as cut and dry. And I think... I think sometimes with horror movies especially because they're going to be using reality to build horrific things or already horrific things are showing us horrific mm-hmm. things um, people still want to get to the end and have some sort of you know conclusion we're still yeah. we're still animals you know we can, <laughs> this will be fine we can watch rape and murder and torture and dismemberment as long as it gets to the end and it's there's closure one way or the other you know not not saying it has to be the good guys winning because a lot of horror it isn't um but it's there still has to be closure the cult now has their king of hell the which is also you know it's like why i think some people didn't like the Babadook because there is closure at the end, but it's a weird sort of, it's a realistic yeah. sort of closure, you know, or it's like, okay, yeah, yeah I guess that's uh, an ending. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sometimes you, you know, with these, they still have to get to somewhere concrete and that meh, you know, yeah. like, oh. <laughs> um, so in your article, you talked about the curse of, uh, La Llorona as being like a good example of something to where maybe the movie isn't the greatest movie ever but the moments were you know really worked for you should we talk about some other like kind of examples of that like mainstream sort of you know trashy horror movie because I watched The Prodigy recently which is a new movie from 2019 um, and it is directed by Nicholas McCarthy who did a movie in 2012 called the pact that i didn't really like that much but it had some good scares um and the the, i really really liked the prodigy and i don't get the reaction to it because it's getting pretty middling to low reviews but it's like a bad child movie kind of like the bad seed sort of you know modern in modern days but it's like a mean scary supernatural movie that like it, it just it it presents that like trashy kind of mean horror movie in a very like slick slick kind of modern way and i i really thought it was like pretty great <laughs> and i don't I, get I'd it. actually i looked for it and just couldn't find it on mm-hmm. any of the various streaming things yeah. um but i yeah because it's it, it didn't get great reviews no. here either it was pretty split um mm-hmm. and again and so was uh uh la llorona it definitely yeah. i mean not even split yeah Yeah, it's like saying it's split is unfair it was (laughs) it had like a 10 on rotten tomatoes something like that um because it's repetitive and the the jump scares are exhausting you're kind of like oh you they're just telegraphed so far in advance we're like here it comes okay um but there were a lot of you know a lot of good moments outside of those and it's the I feel like Blumhouse is the case, kind of one production company that, you know, they do churn out these horror movies and yeah. it's a numbers game. Not all of them are going to be great. <laughs> and I have, I have to admit that like, I've liked a whole bunch of them Yeah, and they do sort of, I feel like they walk, they walk a good line between, uh, the, the idea of elevated and old traditional, yeah. you know, good old horror um i don't even want to say traditional uh but the what where they do go right is that they have great performances and people who like know how it's like john carpenter doing halloween it's like they don't have people who are just like you know fuck it we're making they have people who are directing these things and look like they care about Mm -hmm. directing horror they don't they're not just here for a paycheck they make things that are actually kind of freaky and they you know set things up and it's not just a lot of them aren't that bloody you know it tends to not be blood and guts because they don't i i almost liked sinister uh i think that came out in like 2012 2013 and ethan hawk was in it uh Mm -hmm. who's great you know i like ethan hawk i think he's very good at you know playing just kind of normal characters yeah and 
the movie is something where it's like the the more you get into it the less scary it is so by the end you're kind of but it yeah. has enough like frightening set pieces in it that freaked me out you know i definitely was like oh okay that yeah there's some disturbing was creepy. parts of that, yeah yeah that movie loses me in a way that uh a lot of kind of modern stuff lost me like um uh not uh not not sinister sinister and um insidious, insidious. the first yeah. insidious movie where like by the end of the movie it's like the spooky kids are here and it's kind of right. like especially in <laughs> insidious where it kind of turns into like old-timey children or something, and I'm kind of like, that's not scary. <laughs> yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. I know. Anything that kind of boils down to, like, your kids are going to kill you, I'm like, that's fine. I'm not having any. So. Yeah, I think part that's of the really reason why me. The Prodigy worked for me um, is there. I think it, it gets this one thing very right, this one specific thing, which is, like, uh, when, when you have a mean kid movie, um, it, in The Prodigy, I think it understands, like, as a person who used to be a kid and like <laughs> going into the, like the spooky basement is a scene in the prodigy and i think a lot of movies get wrong is the, is they think uh, the audience is going to want to see a kid go downstairs because when they were kids they were scared but what's scary and what the prodigy does right is you want to watch an adult have to go into the scary basement and be scared and be because scared now yeah. you are like that's me because i was a kid and now i still get that understanding of the scary basement yeah <laughs> that's a very that's a very interesting point and i, I like it i think it kind of brings it back to the idea of like a horror hitting you in the gut you know hitting you where the fight or flight mechanism is and reverting us almost like animals yeah it's like, oh yeah right we're oh yeah we're we're so evolved but yeah. yet <laughs> but yet uh yeah. yeah i i the blumhouse movies are sort of a funny funny bag because i'm like i i liked the conjuring until the end you know yeah. that's that's the thing with almost all of them is that there's i'm like oh this is good this is good this is good okay now i'm over it um and that's i definitely did feel that way about insidious and uh sinister i'm trying to think of what other like was was ouija uh yes ouija oculus yeah um for some reason, I saw Ouija more than once, even though I didn't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, like, I think I, I, I watched it. I saw it in theaters, and then, like, my brother went to watch it, and I was like, I'm here. I guess I'll watch it with you. <laughs> yeah. Truth or Dare they made, oh. which I, I, again, I liked it until the end, and then they tried to come up. I do sort of wish that, that horror movies were allowed to operate solely on plot. I do, and I, you know, it's back to, like, I like that they can work on metaphors. But with Truth or Dare, I wish it had just been able to have a plot without explanation. Because I was like, I'm liking this. I'm liking this freaky game, and everyone's got those weird faces. And, like, yeah. oh, this is great. And yeah. then it's it's a demon from Mexico that they, you know, <laughs> that, that movie is spit. And bananas. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> right? I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. And they Why? explain it like it's, like, I, I, I didn't like that movie, but I did kind of enjoy watching it for that reason, where it's just like, this right. is out there. But I love, they just kind of explain it like, this is a thing that happens. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, they found this woman, and uh, she's going to write out the whole story. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. Um, there was also a movie in 2017 called Wish Upon, which is like a um, about a teenage girl and she discovers this box and it's very like monkey's paw like your wishes will come sure. true but in, in ways that will destroy other people in your life and I actually really had fun with that movie it's not great but for a, a kind of PG-13 kind of like low effort slick horror movie I was like this is kind of what I want it's like an update of the like middle of the road 80s movies you watch for like ridiculous reasons but like functions well enough that like you get what you wanted Right, right. Yeah. yeah. This is, yeah, I was starting, when we were talking about doing this episode, I was starting to think of movies um, that came out during, like, the notoriously schlocky yeah. period of like the horror. the two, 2000s or 
early. Yeah, like 80s and 2000s, yeah, like, you know. I, and... I know there was a big, like, rush of that in the 2000s, like, with Boogeyman and... Yeah. And <laughs> stuff like that. Darkness Falls. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, uh, so that one where it's, like, it's stupid, I didn't really love it. But there's a scene kind of in the beginning where she's, like, floating over the door mm-hmm. that... I still think about yeah. and it still freaks me out. Yeah. And even like there's this movie from the eighties, The Hitcher. Yes. That um that I again it's like I couldn't I could never convince someone who's into elevated horror that this is what elevated horror should be. But it it is. It's you know, it's a movie that's as psychological as it is visceral. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it it is a weird relationship that you don't get answers to. And, yeah. you know, it's, I think it's kind of homoerotic, but I could just be seeing <laughs> what I want to see. And it's gruesome. There's a lot of, but some of the really most gruesome stuff is just implied. You sort of forget mm-hmm. that, you know, you're, someone gets pulled apart by a truck, but yeah. you don't ever really see that. You just know it happens, but it's still like that scene is stuck with you. Yeah. And so there are these movies that, I almost want like a definition of people when they talk about elevated horror don't define it as much as they give you examples mm-hmm. you know they'll just list things that are what you know what they consider and yeah. I almost want a definition of it because so there's so many movies that I think people would be like no that's torture porn that's yeah. schlock that's whatever do you, that do you would think check that, all the like, boxes the thing that is so like struggling about us trying to like define it um to circle back to uh the hereditary do you think like the problem is that these movies are trying to like separate the elements that are not supposed to be separated like the idea of with the hitcher being visceral but also you know, psychological and, and, and heady, like hereditary kind of splits the difference where like the first half of the movie is very like, you know, drama and character based. And then the end, it becomes spooky, but they don't co-mingle. And maybe the idea of like a movie, like, um, like that kind of schlocky movie. I, I, I there was another one called don't knock twice from 2016, which was like a, a pretty solid movie um, about a mother and a daughter and there's this like demonic witch urban legend and like these movies that are sort of middle of the road movies don't have that kind of intent where they think like okay this has to be in this box and that has to be in that box right it can my movie's just gonna be both maybe right. maybe yeah. that's what I don't know <laughs> yeah I've, I've did you see Don't Breathe yes I think Don't Breathe is kind of a good example of where it's like, it's not a particularly high concept. It's sort of like a grosser version of uh, Wait Until Dark. But mm-hmm. I think it kind of does that where it's like, it 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 does mingle those both sides enough where it's got, uh, you know, it, it has a good concept, it has a good execution, and it has characters that are sometimes sympathetic sometimes not and it does get very nasty i think you know there was a lot of stuff in that movie that i was surprised where i was like oh my god the art the whole artificial insemination thing that came out of left field for me but i was like oh all right um (laughs) so it's like i think i think if horror movies were just sort of allowed to evolve at the pace of which they're going with movies like Don't Knock Twice or Don't, uh, Don't Breathe, <laughs> the whole Don't yeah. series. Um, I think because filmmaking is at a, a point where people are really interested in characters now and people do want dialogue and they do want sort of like a higher caliber of entertainment because there's so much of it. There's, you know, there's tv shows that have these unbelievable outrageous complicated concepts i don't watch them but all my friends do you know so i think people horror could just sort of evolve along with everything else it doesn't need to be yanked into elevated because even these dumb horror movies are having sort of better acting um 
you know, better cinematography, better characters, better writing. Mm-hmm. I Some people have disagreed with me on this. Uh, <laughs> one of them was a guy, and I was like, you're wrong. <laughs> but in Truth or Dare, I was really struck by the, the two main characters, Marky and um, Lucy Hale's character, uh, I, their relationship. I thought it was very realistic. It really struck me as like two girls who had been friends forever, had mm-hmm. known each other for too long, and were just like under each other's skin at every single moment. Uh, and that's something that a lot of times in horror movies, you know, ones that are cheaper, shittier from whatever time period, the characters don't feel real. They mm-hmm. feel feels like there's nothing there. Um, they're just they're just fodder. And I think that that's just something that's kind of, you know, it'll just change. It just is changing. Even in these cheap horror movies, the acting and the the characters are better. So I think that it's, you know, I don't even really think we need elevated horror. I think that's like trying to grow horror up too fast. Yeah. Um, and I do think that that's kind of what, to bring it back to the point after a, a while, uh, <laughs> I do kind of think that that might be what's mingling the sort of, you know, like the heady and the the visceral part of it is that we are having more realism in horror because we are making content that has more realism in it, just in general. You know, we don't have the... You watch some of these movies from the 50s and you're like good god (laughs) that's why that's why night of the living dead was such a big deal is because it had people actually like reacting to stuff in a you know a slightly more realistic way it didn't have the the silent movie like shrieking and mugging Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um i think that's a pretty good uh place to to wrap up is there anything else that we should talk about then i don't think so i'm trying to think of what i wanted to talk about puppet master but okay just because that movie but i don't even know what to say about it as far as (laughs) it was just like dude this is a shitty movie but even as an adult i would watch it and have moments of like yeah that's (laughs) a woman with the slugs yeah that's a movie that really lent itself well to like the mixtape thing because there was a vhs called i think boogie men in the 2000s that was like clips from movies and i remember renting that and the puppet master scene with the slug being like oh my god (laughs) yeah (laughs) it like freaked me out but then I watched the yeah. movie and it's like so boring for a good stretch of it. <laughs> it's super boring and then it kind of has, which I think probably looked great in the 80s, but like it has that weird dream sequence. At the, yeah. Not even dream, but it's like when they go and they see all the bodies yeah. and I could, I could see how someone conceptualizing that was like, this is going to be fucking <laughs> great. It's come in, all the bodies are sitting around this table, but it just looks cheesy. It's got like Vaseline on the lens, yeah. you know, and you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, that movie is a lot of, like, Vaseline on their lens and walking around a castle. Yeah, right? Like, I, they made a whole bunch of them, too. I, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's a funny... Yeah, no, I don't think I have anything. Well, I also like that you, you name-drop popcorn in your article. <laughs> that was... I, Carla said something similar, too, and I was like, I didn't realize that popcorn had such a cult following. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad it does. But we had, we rented it as like 12, 13 year olds, um, thinking that it was about killer popcorn. Because the <laughs> tagline is buy a bag, go home in a box. Yeah. And we were like, yes. And then we're watching it. And I, you know what? I think I'm going to rewatch popcorn. Yeah. I haven't seen it since I was young. And it's fun. At, yeah. At the time, I was, I remember the scene where the guy in the wheelchair gets electrocuted, and mm-hmm. I remember being like, ooh, this is good. Yeah. Um, it's fun. The, that that <laughs> cover, scare, like, there was a horror section in our uh, local rental place, and I used to have to run past it because it was so scary to me, but <laughs> that was one of the ones because the cover has that woman, and she's taking her face it's off. Like, taking her face, skeleton. yeah. That scared the shit out of me. Dude, the stuff... Yeah, the, the stuffs cover, That's and when I saw cover. that movie, yeah, I was like, oh my god! And then seeing it and being like, oh, this is kind of goofy. Of course it is. It's about yogurt that yeah. kills you <laughs> or turns you into yogurt. Yeah, but uh, there's but... a whole like that's a great uh, example too of what we're talking about, like Larry Cohen movies. His movies are yes. so like 
it's a cheesy horror movie, but it's also every one of his movies is like a social thing. It's about something. Yeah. Right. And because they kind of, a lot of them have a very comedic element, you can kind of get away with it because people go like, well, you're not supposed to take it seriously. Yeah. Well, maybe you're really not supposed to take <laughs> any horror movie seriously. Yeah. But also maybe you that's... can take like the stuff, right. you can take it seriously. You know what I mean? Like it is trying to get a point across about consumerism. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And this, you know, this like terrible culture of, dieting and you know being being able to be like hedonistic but not yeah you know you're not you're not actually sinning you're just which i think is kind of a funny idea for a horror movie right because horror movies are all about like punishing the guilty yeah you know the original horror movies yeah um yeah i know i I love that i love a lot of larry cohen movies yeah i guess the the point I guess one point of our discussion is like to to wrap it up is like I think maybe we both agree that we shouldn't be trying to put these movies in a box like this is elevated this is junk just let them be movies right right <laughs> yeah I, and also just because the minute you say nowadays the minute you say something's elevated to me I'm like not listening <laughs> I'm like oh okay sorry it's the spurious fault that really <laughs> that that did it <laughs> well for more on Suspiria there's a podcast on the back row feed about that <laughs> right? yes yeah right I'll get into it oh my god <laughs> I was saying to Jenna that like we should you know if we want to have start having paid content our paid content should all be negative it's like all our <laughs> all our free content tends to be like positive and then she was like we have shit talked Suspiria and Hereditary so much and I was yeah. like oh that's true <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh we're we're positive over here as well. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Um awesome. Well, this has been really great and uh for the listeners, please go to back-row.com and read Art versus Trash Why Elevated Horror Doesn't Work as Well as Junk Horror by Veronica. Um Make sure that you email us at backrowcineblog at gmail.com if you have any feedback to the stuff that we have talked about today. And again, on all of the uh, social medias, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it is at backrowcineblog. And then, uh, yeah, other than that, oh, is there anywhere people can find you that you would want to point anyone to? Is it like a Twitter or anything? (laughs) No. No, just backrow. Yeah, and I guess at this point, actually, no, never mind. I was going to say, like, yeah, I guess you can find me on Facebook, but not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go find my drag name on Facebook. <laughs> I dare you. Um, cool. And on Twitter, I am Y-C-K-M-D underscore. So other than that, <laughs> backdashrow.com is what you got to remember. That just, that's, that's sticks in the brain, Dan. Yes, I it's so I can't catchy. imagine anybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Yeah, bye.